and welcome to a very special new series from Talkie Talk. Uh, this is Brent and Al's Survivor Marathon. Here we go. We are beginning. Uh, and, of course, we should start with the OG Survivor Borneo. Summer of, what, 2000? 1999? 2000? 2000. 2000. The sensation that... Changed the landscape of television. I think so. I mean, I remember it being a sensation. Like, it was... I mean, first of all, it was a summer television show. So, like, there's not much on. Or, you know, in uh, summer TV. But, so when you have a show, it can catch on. And this one caught on. Like, there were a lot of people talking about it. Everybody saw it. It was a word of mouth hit. Yeah, I didn't watch it at first. Uh, My brother told me about it. And, uh... That's how I got started watching. It's the only season he's ever seen. And he got me hooked, and so here we are today. Um, so this is our, these podcasts are going to be reviews of seasons. You should, uh, you should definitely pause this if you haven't seen Borneo. Go back, watch Borneo. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime and Hulu. So uh, either one of those will do the trick. It's season one of Survivor. You should watch it first and uh, come back to us and uh, listen to this uh, discussion. We're going to have the same format each time we do one of these. We're going to hopefully do a pretty comprehensive review of the season. Yeah. Um, so A little caveat. When you watch it, be prepared. It is not an HD. <laughs> no. Um, it's like, wait, what happened? Why does this look so bad? But you're just like, oh, they, it takes a while. I don't remember what season it is until they get to HD. HD comes in in season 17, I think. Wow. So, yeah, it'll be a bit. Yeah. Um, Alright, welcome back for those of you who paused to go listen to, or to go watch uh, 14 quick episodes of TV, and, uh, um... Did you enjoy it? So now you've seen, you've seen the end of, uh, Survivor Season 1. Now, uh... Do you like Brian Gumble? Let's start with, uh, this. I wrote some, uh, we're gonna, you know, Talk and Talk has their, their, uh, gauntlet for, um, movies for the Talk of Fame, so we have a similar thing. We're gonna, we have a, sort of a set of questions we're gonna follow each time. We're gonna start with the concept. CBS is pitching this season, or, or rather, the producers of the show are pitching this season. What is the idea behind season one of Survivor? What is the season supposed to be, and then does it succeed? Well, I mean, they crypt Expedition Robinson. Like, it's this Swedish television show. Have you ever seen it? I'm not. Okay. I've gone and watched the very first <laughs> episode ever of Expedition Robinson, just to see what it was like. How similar. There are a lot of similarities, although it's really weird. It's almost like a uh, work retreat. Like the tribes wear all the all wear the same T-shirts, but they have similar things. They have a tribal council. They have challenges. They live in a camp together. Mm. It, there were no subtitles. I did not understand what they were talking <laughs> about. But it's on YouTube if you want to see it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so for I, I think this this was intended to be. Prime time, the real world, but so. but with, uh, you know, sort of an outdoor survival element. It was supposed yeah. to be. Can we see these people? These people have to balance making a making a society with each other, but also um, surviving the elements together. I think that's what's the that's what the intent was. Also, there was one. I can't remember which cast member it is, but during the. The reunion, they say it's a family show. And I think that there were outdoors things, you know, like camping and things like that, that kids could watch and challenges and like 
It came on at 8 o'clock. It was still before kids' bedtimes. And Mm -hmm. it was a show that CBS hoped everybody could sit down and watch, regardless if they were 8 or if they were 80, and there was something they could get out of it. Right. Um, Does it succeed in being that? I would say partially. I would say it partially succeeds, because there is a lot of... Because I think their, their idea was the best person at surviving, the best... And making this a a tribe that gets along will win this season. And that is where it fails because they the contestants they learned, I think, that contestants define the game. Yes. I think where it succeeds is they took what they saw in this other program and wanted to change it for an American audience or make it an American television show. And they succeeded in taking what that was and made it better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if... I think Survivor has just found uh, throughout the years, and this was one, almost in Fast Forward, where they found, like, we're figuring this out as we go along. And um, some things are going to come out of this that we don't expect, and some things are going to come out that we do ex- we hope to expect, and they're, and that's going to be great. And we'll just deal with what we don't expect and be malleable and change, like, with how that works out. Yeah. I think when I say they failed in their concept, too, that's a good thing. Because I think that is what spelled long-term success for the show. It's failing in that concept. Because that concept would have probably played out over three or four seasons and then we'd be done. Yeah. Um, Of of real world plus survival. Um, Yeah, I think... God, it almost has this feeling like watching it again, and you're like, wow, this is really strange watching this, because you're like, wow, this is almost like a PBS documentary in yes. a way, like of just, we're going to turn a camera on and show this camp life, and that's what, after a while, is still good, but it's not the best of what happens out of the show. Yeah. You know, and they really didn't give them a ton of instruction. I don't think. I think they basically just said uh, they told them how it would work, and then they said at the end the person standing will get a million dollars, and that's it. And so I think a lot of them just thought, well, the show wants us to be the show wants us to play this way, so we will play this way. Whereas one guy was just like, I want to win a million dollars. Yeah. So I'll make this whatever I need to make this to win a million dollars, and he. Basically saved the show for the long term, I think. I totally agree with you. But, like, just thinking back about, like, really what they... It feels like they were just not walking in the dark and, like, grasping around and trying to figure out what they were doing. But, Mm -hmm. like, the very first Tribal Council, when they walked past the gong, I don't think they had any instructions about what to do with the gong. And, like, the third person in line finally hits the gong and then the people after that do it and then it becomes a thing so it's like these little moments become like a thing like i don't even think yeah the contestants were given a lot of instruction they were just like are we supposed to do this okay well let's just do it Mm -hmm. and honestly i think that's one of the best designs of the show is is to just uh not overdo it with rules early see what it looks like to just come up with a simple concept Send some people out, do it, see what it looks like, which is what they did this season. And I think it was, I think that's part of the reason it was great because we got to see the contestants mold the show. Yeah. 
And totally. that's really fun. In um, in the moment. In mm-hmm. like in the first several episodes. Like by the time you get to episode 5 or 6, you you are become like aware of kind of what's going on. And we can talk about that later when we get into the contestants, but like you can actually see it to start to morph from this like primordial form into like into like gameplay mm-hmm. and people's pushback and acceptance of that. Right. Well, speaking of the cast, let's talk the cast. Uh, we're going to go one by one. Um, some will take longer than others to talk about. Some are not going to take long at all. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about what each person brought to the season. We're going to try to do our best to come up with something they brought to the season. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about why they lost, why that specific person lost, and then uh, what are our most memorable things for, for that person. Do you um, want me to kick it off? Yeah. Okay. First boot of the season. First boot of Survivor ever. Sonia Christopher. She was 63. I don't remember what occupation she held, but... Um, so she is. She has from a, California. Yeah, she has some... Uh, some uh, notable facts about her. She is, she remains the oldest woman to ever play Survivor. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, she uh, also the first lesbian contestant in Survivor history. First, first, also first person to whip out an instrument. Yes. Luckily, a... luckily people don't do that quite as much anymore. Um, I feel like that's something that Survivor eventually put the clamp down on. But Sonya and her ukulele were very uh, charming. Where, where, what is it? I thought so. Oh. Richard liked it. Okay. Uh, yeah, she was on Toggy. She, uh, what did she bring to the season now? Uh, she brought a ukulele. She did bring a ukulele to the season. She had a good attitude. Um, I think she's the original sort of an archetype, which we don't see every season, but we used to see it quite a bit, which was sort of the, the very likable old timer on the tribe. The person who everyone would be like, we love them. But we're probably going to vote yeah. them out. First. I mean, she wasn't awful, but she, and she wasn't wallpaper. I, it, she had she had a lot of good moments in the reunion, and not a lot of good moments in the, her episode. So why did she lose? She during the first first the first ever uh, challenge, she was being dra- they had to each have their hand on this raft that they walked through the water really and hold above their head. It's one of the simplest challenges ever. And then they had to run it along the shore. That's it. That's the so only like, challenge. She has uh, seven other people pretty much holding the raft. So her goal in this challenge was keep my hand on this thing she while moving. She kept her hand on it, but um, she wasn't moving. Keep your legs moving as well. It's like if you throw a, threw a tow rope to someone drowning in the water and pulled them behind a boat. That's what she looked like. With just one hand holding onto this side of the raft being dragged along. When you're 63 years old, there's already concerns about yeah. how well you'll hold up. And then you really don't want your first challenge to involve being dragged. Yeah. Um, so, pretty easy to figure out why Sonya was the first she, one kicked so off. You, she got voted out because of that. I think so. I think it was a combination. I think that, I think people... I think there's already the instinct to go, like, who's the weakest person here? Yeah. And it would have been easy to look at her. But it made it even easier to to look at her performance in that because challenge. Because the weird thing about this, this being fresh and new and, like, the first challenge boot ever, is they actually didn't talk about that as much as they would in, like, Now Survivor, where they're like, she's the weakest person. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, you know, she's likable. Should we? I don't know. But we have to win these things called challenges. Right. Yeah. And there were still votes for other people that 
that first. Yeah, the, we'll get into that. There were votes all over the place this whole season. This whole season. Um, there would not be a unanimous vote for, I think, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like the 13th boot wow. was the first unanimous one. Wow. That's that's how long it took. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Well, that's Sonya. Sonya's pretty pretty easy to... to She's a great sport describe. about it all. Yeah. She was... Yeah. She's a very lovable first boot. Now we get to the second boot. B.B. Anderson. So, so uh, Sonya was off Toggy. Uh, B.B.'s from Pagong. Um, B.B., I would describe his gameplay as show up on the island, yell at everyone for six days for being... Uh, call everybody lazy. That's always a good start. That's how I like to meet people. Be like, you're lazy. Um, wash his clothes in the tribe's drinking water. Yes. At dusk, so they can't go get any more. And then uh, talk to the one person trying to help you adjust and say, uh, who, who's, who's trying to get you to conserve some energy and instead just say, listen, sweetheart, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to do whatever I want and make this as pleasant for myself as I can until yeah. I get to go home. That does not sound like the, a winner strategy, <laughs> but yeah. hey, maybe somebody will try that in the soon, in the near future. When so. BB it was like a real estate developer, probably nearing retirement. He was also sixty something. He was a definitely also got. I think that was his job description that he gave. He also has had a military past, okay. which is very unsurprising, and was uh, I believe offered an ambassadorship under George Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah. So to me, this felt like BB was checking this off of a like bucket list of like I'm gonna do these accomplishments I'm gonna go on a safari and shoot mm-hmm. some sort of African wildlife I'm gonna climb Everest I've heard about this survival show I'm gonna go do that and I'm gonna check it off my list and he got out there and he was out there with a bunch of as he puts it youngins who didn't want to do anything and just wanted to have fun and BB just hunkered down put his blinders on and started building the shelter and he would have worked on that shelter for 39 days and not talked to anyone if he could have. There, I think this is what you get with a, a first season like this. Because you get people who sign up thinking like, oh, it's like the real world. This this could be a ticket to stardom. And then you get other people who are just like, they hear the survivor part. Right. And they think like, oh, this is going to be a bunch of hardcore campers like me. Yeah. Who can show up. And this is going to be like, who who does the best job of doing, of like and, building stuff. And I've never been to somewhere like Malaysia. Right. I've never been to somewhere like Africa. I've never been somewhere like this, and I want to see the world kind of thing. So it makes sense why he would go out. And it also makes sense why, after a couple days with the Pagong tribe, he just checked out. Yeah, Um, and we'll get into why he, you know, like the other people on the tribe, and why, like, BB probably didn't really mesh with them. Yeah, I mean, as you'll find, listen, and as you you know if you've seen the the season, Pagong is probably the most free-spirit tribe in survivor history yeah, of just sort of like we're here we're having fun yep that's what this game's supposed to be man we're, we're just here learning how to live with each other yeah don't harsh our buzz with all this strategy we we hate tribal councils we don't even want to prepare for tribal council yeah i don't know how i'm voting tonight we haven't even talked about it no right yeah um which honestly is a more it's like the purest way of playing it's how i think the game was intended to be played but i'm glad it's not that way do you think it is I think it. I think it is. I think. I think if you're designing the game, I think if you're Mark Burnett, you're you're thinking 
it would be cool if everybody would just like just vote their own conscience and not work together and like the cream of like who's the best survivalist will rise to the top yes I think that that's what I always thought the idea was okay which is why I think that would have been a boring show and would have petered out after about two or three seasons yeah I never really thought about it that way I thought maybe they were just open to the fact that like people were because they separated them into tribes and there were these competitions that there would definitely be some gameplay and strategy to it as well rather than just like well, I'm gonna like give it to like Greg because he's like Mowgli. One reason, know? one reason I do say I think that was the intention is because fast forward 37 seasons and we still see Jeff Probst trying to figure out why these, these like the people who are just best at the things that CBS pushes towards them, why those people can't win, why the Joe Anglums can't win because the people who are are really good at surviving. But so, if, like, if like, and not to get sidetracked, I'll kind of keep this short, like. So we can just get stay at the task at hand, but like, I've always thought Jeff liked that because it was like just really good, like not TV, but like Jeff loved seeing it. You know, he loved seeing an Aussie just be. He was just amazed every time he brought up a flounder, you know, yeah. and this from the ocean, and like just amazed at what a good challenge beast he was, rather than like. I don't know. Like we could, when we get to Gretchen, we could talk about like how she's a great survivalist, but is Gretchen great television? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, I think we are partially saying the same thing, but we're also like you're saying that maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they intended. I mean, that's uh, you. You make a good point. Like they cast Richard Hatch for a reason. They cast him, right? I mean, this is a guy who showed up and said, "I'm going to win," and here's how I'm going to do it. Yep, and so. Yeah, you do have a point. I think, though, that I, th- I think there was definitely some aspect, though, where the Pagong approach is something they thought would be fun, uh, okay. which yeah. is just like, like we want to see all these people voting against each other and then them trying to figure out who voted for who. And, gotcha. like, like, Colleen being like, who voted for me? And Jervis having to explain why he voted for her or something right. like that. So... Either way, I think this is this show was not what BB was expecting when BB showed Ooh, up yeah. for it. Um, he pretty much is the first. Uh, it, this would be uh, he's he's another archetype in in multiple ways. He's sort of the first ever early boot because he was too demanding in the early stages of the game. He's also an early boot for not fitting in at all with his tribe, and uh, also. He's the first person to ever engineer his own exit from the game, pretty much. Yeah, he did do that. And he, he was he was ready to go. <laughs> he was. And uh, he didn't do anything as, like, ridiculous as, like, pouring out the food or anything. Yeah. Or He just said, "I, you know, it's time for y'all to vote for me because I want out, basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, it's easy to see why BB lost. Um, yeah. BB also sadly passed away a few years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. He was, uh, he's no longer with us. But, um, he also, he expressed some, a little bit of regret at the reunion about playing the way he did, which was, he kind of, he got frustrated with the way the show was, and instead of adapting, which is like in the first couple episodes, Rudy talks about who is, uh, who was older at the time. Right. And, uh, Rudy talks about how, like, these young people aren't for me, but that doesn't matter. I need to be for them. Because... Well, we may get into that when we talk about Rudy, but that may be the Richard Hatch of it all. Sure. 
Yeah. You know, um, Richard was in his ear, whereas nobody was in... Well, Gretchen tried to be in BB's ear, yeah. but she didn't have... Wasn't saying the same things as Richard. Right. Yeah. Um, so, the next boot is Stacy Stillman. Stacy Stillman. She was on the Toggy Tribe. This is the first one... This is the first contestant who is... I would say if you if you measure every contestant's impact on Survivor uh, off screen versus on screen, hers is the greatest ratio of all time. Yeah. So Stacy, let's talk on screen first. What did she bring to the season? I, I thought she was somewhat likable. She was likable, like as a yeah, as a viewer, she was likable, and I think she was somewhat likable to the cast. But I think she all, from what I gather, she was also had her little piccadillos, you know, or whatever with that annoyed the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they voted her off. Yes. You know? And she was, uh... She, she tried. Actually, she is sort of the first person to try to build an alliance on screen. Yes. She tried to build a girl's alliance. Yep. She didn't call it that, but she tried to, she tried to build an alliance of her... Kelly, Sue, and someone else, maybe? Maybe not. No, those were all women. But um, she was trying to build an alliance of those three Toggy girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kelly kind of seemed like she was on board, but Sue just uh, yeah. laughed about it. Afterwards. The most of what everybody else said, and maybe this is why she lost, other than they couldn't think of somebody else else to vote for, mm-hmm. was Stacy was just more, slightly more annoying than the next person. And yeah. she, therefore, someone had to go. Right. So now we get to off screen, which yeah. was Stacy would go on to sue Survivor mm-hmm. because she alleged that producers convinced uh, tribe mates Dirk and um, Sean mm-hmm. to f- who were she alleges were planning on voting for Rudy that production got them to flip their votes to her instead. And in her lawsuit, she claims that production gave the reasons that they wanted Rudy to stay was that the two older people in Sonia and Bibi had been voted out, and the demographics of the remaining contestants on the show were going to be really skewed if Rudy, the other older man on the show, was voted off, and then that way all the older people were gone immediately from the show, and it was just people under what 35 left and they were like no 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 we need to keep somebody like rudy on because you know the demographics of our of our contestants are going to be way off so here's the thing i i i believe i believe there's probably some merit to her lawsuit except i don't buy that reasoning for a minute because primetime tv is not filled with 70 year olds (laughs) Primetime TV is filled with young people who look amazing, and Stacey Stillman looks a lot better than Rudy Bosch. And so, I don't think I don't think they would have lost a ton of viewers for that reason because of age demographics. I think they want to keep Rudy because Stacey was not great TV for what, when she was on, and Rudy from the moment he hit that island was just TV gold. Yeah, the other reason I don't really buy it is you. You can read about it. It's on a wiki page somewhere. Is there's a lot of so her lawsuit didn't happen until a full year had passed. Even after the show was done, mm-hmm. she gave interviews about 
survivor for a full year with like glowing reports and nothing was ever wrong and somehow there it leaked out that she was up for a, another show I think it was like the beginnings of the amazing race and she was trying to get on that show on CBS mm. and they didn't give her a spot and that's when the lawsuit dropped okay you know, I, I think there's, as with most things, there's probably truth somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, my guess, so, uh, Dirk said that her lawsuit had merit. Um, Sean said that all producers told him was to vote his conscience. Yes. So, on the one hand, producers probably shouldn't have been telling him anything about how to vote. Yeah, and I think that will be Stacy's legacy is, it, and it's really weird, if you when you watch this season, you can just see how jovial and intertwined Jeff is with the cast. Yeah. And it is very, there's no like veil between like almost like Jeff talking to them and he's like talking to them. as like almost like one of their chums. There is a, there is a moment later, which we'll definitely get to where Jeff talks one-on-one with someone about another contestant one-on-one. Yeah. And that is unheard of today. Yeah. So there's not this wall between Jeff and the contestants that there is now and so if that's the case then maybe there wasn't this wall between some of the early production staff and the the contestants as well and you know like where so what kind of conversation they had I think survivors done what they've done is slowly built up like you know this separation that has to happen to where they don't get in trouble like this kind of trouble doesn't happen again. I agree. They did settle with her, so Stacy got paid for whatever. Um, Maybe. Stacy thinks that, uh, well, either way, it sounds like we were very close to losing Rudy here in episode three. But Boy, instead, we that lost. That would have been a totally Stacey. different show. That would have been a yeah. very different show. Um, Fourth out is Ramona from the Pagong oh, yeah, tribe. I thought we were jumping into dirt, but they, we can save dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Ramona, um, the archetype of the person who immediately gets sick. Yeah. And can't recover. She was a fish out of water, but she really was adjusting well. I liked Ramona. Yeah. And, you know, she was the person who, ever, so there would be a few people who were eating rats, and she would, she, you know, it was like, ugh, rats. Yeah. But she finally ate some rats. And uh, that's uh, one thing I remember from her game. But yeah, the sickness. The sickness early on doesn't... It not only makes you appear weaker, because it makes you weaker, but it also really, for Ramona, the worst thing for Ramona was it cut into relationship building. Yeah. Time. Um, And she tried to turn the corner, and Jenna explains it to you ad nauseum about how it's it's too late, you know, for Ramona. And Mm -hmm. she... And it's, you know, basically the reason she ate, she got booted. Right. Is because, like you said, you know, one, she got sick. I think she got dehydrated. It wasn't that she got sick. It's just that her body was like, wait a minute, you know, something's happening here. And, like, it doesn't matter what you put down, you know, in your stomach. I'm going to heave it up because I, you know, something's wrong. And, um, you know, she lost out on all the relationships for that because, like, what do you do with a sick person, you know? Right. Yeah, and we, especially when you're trying to have fun. Right. Know? Yeah, so it was an unfortunate season for Ramona. Yeah. Just the, with the way things shook out. Yeah. Um, how about Dirk? Moving on to Dirk. Dirk was 
one of the youngest people out there, like maybe, you know, close to young as 23, Dirk was uh, also that the, his virginity came up, you know. That's a thing you used to hear about a lot. Well, I guess you still do when when it comes up. Uh, there was that girl in, uh, I don't know if it was Triple H or Ghost Island that talked about it uh, just a couple Maddie. seasons ago. Um, the blonde girl. Maddie from uh, from Redemption. Yeah, so, you, you know, it still pops up. People, it's a weird way that a character can be defined. Yeah, it is weird. It's always like a strange conversation. Well, yeah, and I can understand. They, they. I mean, everybody was talking about it, and honestly, Dirk probably brought it on himself quite a bit by just. I think so. Dirk, Dirk is the uh, sort of the archetypal, like not just Christian character, because there have been a ton of Christian characters yeah. on the on the show, and I say character because they are kind of presented to us as characters, yeah. even though they're real people being themselves, but they are. It, when when their own Christianity, when their own faith gets sort of in the way of their gameplay. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between your own um, soaking in your own and living in your own religiousness, and then giving your testimonial to other people who, you know, I think Sue pushed back on this. She was the one that stands out to me. That's like, hey, you know, I'm religious too, and all. I just don't want to. That's all I talk about. Right. When I'm talking to you. And that's kind of maybe what happened to Dirk with a lot of other people. He did form bonds with other people. Like, uh, I think he and probably, he was, what, uh, Sean's fishing buddy? Yeah. Yeah, they were buddies. So they formed, you know, a good relationship with each other. Um, I, I do think part of that was Dirk. Uh, you could tell Dirk didn't really like Richard Hatch very much. No. Um, he and tried I, to be nice about it. And I think Richard messed with him a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, Richard has a way of messing with anyone who doesn't just flat out accept Rich. And I feel like it's like not... He doesn't target people, but Rich is basically like, I'm going to put myself out there to the point where you're either going to be on board with me or I'm going to make things... Or you're just not going to have a good time. It's, it's fun. I think about it like if you... If Richard sees that you have a scab from what he can do, he's going to pick at it. Yeah. And he's just going to pick at it until you are just, you know, unsettled. Right. And, yeah. Um, but Survivor, like CBS also really focused in on Dirk's uh, Christianity. There's that There's that. That one scene of him just reading his Bible in the yeah. hammock where it's it's kind of overdone a little bit. It is a little bit, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's really no other way to define Dirk other than that weirdo who wore five different t-shirts during the reunion. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Started the reunion with a Flash t-shirt on, like the Flash. Okay. Uh, took it off, was wearing a, a Creed band t-shirt, uh, and then cycled through several other t-shirts every like time they went Michael to a commercial. Stipe MTV Music Awards I don't kind know. Of maneuver thing I, here? I don't know. Okay. Um... Dirk was kind She's of really a, pushing the flash, huh? Yeah, it was it was real real strange. Um, Speaking of strange, you want to talk about Joel? Well, before we get to why did Dirk lose? Um, other than being sort of, I think it's also because he was uh, uh, unallied. This is also the point in, yeah. in Tagi where yeah. the the alliance had been. I think it's made this episode. 
And, it's around here, yeah. Um, and the alliance, if you, should we go over it, like how it so formed? This, this is when Sue... Well, Richard has kind of been building this since the beginning. Richard and Rudy and Sue. Even yeah. though Rudy's not quite fully on board with the idea of an alliance. Right around here is where Rudy says, I've been explained the alliance thing and it makes sense to me. He's like, this is the only way I'm going to be able to... People are going to be able to survive the votes out here is if you're in an alliance and you know where your votes are going and you know that votes aren't coming your way. And he's like, I've had it explained to me, I'm assuming by Richard. Yeah. I think he may say it at some point. But Richard tells him, look, Rudy, this is how... this. It, the only way we can guarantee getting to the end is if we band together, know where our votes are going to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get to the final whatever and let it all play out. Now, with Rudy, he had the final two. I think Richard and Sue cooked this up before Richard brought Rudy on board, is what I gather. Yes. Well, I think Richard had a strong bond with Rudy from day one, which was... Not necessarily an alliance, but just a bond. I think it took a while. It took about a week or ten days for Richard to get it over to Rudy. And prior to that, he had it with Sue. Yeah. But Richard was like, whoa, okay, if I have this alliance with Sue, I need to also have this one with Rudy because Sue could, any of these people could flip. And so I'm hedging my bets and going with the both of them. Yeah. But by this time, it was a four-strong alliance. Mm -hmm. With Richard, Sue, Rudy, and Kelly. Right. And so, and at this point on the The problem is, Dirk ain't in it. Dirk ain't in it. That only leaves Dirk and Sean? Yep. And Sean will get to Sean. There's, there was no bringing Sean into that alliance. Well, not only no bringing Sean into the alliance, but why vote him out when you can read him like a book? Right. Yeah. So... Dirk, just the, the one who wasn't in on it. Not um, in on the alliance, and you don't know where he's voting. Right. Um, now to the weird and Joel. Let's get to Joel. Joel Klug? Joel Klug. Um, one of the weirdest exits from the game, huh. in that uh, Jervis, so this is the episode where Jervis makes a joke. Yes. Says that women are the dumbest thing on the planet next, except for cows. Basically, in so many words. You're, you're paraphrasing loosely, but yes. And the women all get upset at Jervis for yes. this. And somehow, Jervis Peterson magically transfers all of their anger to Joel, who was just standing there when it got said... Not he doesn't blame him for saying it, but he just he said, "Hey, I made the joke. Joel lives that joke. That is yeah. the way Joel be behaves and believes." And they were all just like, "Yeah, pretty much." I mean, maybe maybe Joel had said some chauvinistic things that we didn't catch on camera, but the way it was presented to us was just baffling. Which yeah. is, Jervis says something offensive, and Joel gets voted out for it. Yep. So basically, I guess Joel's body language at the time was like, "You got that right." And everyone was like, all the girls were like, well, yeah, Jarvis said it, but you just totally agreed with it. Like, and he's like, but I didn't say anything. And you, but you, they were like, yeah, but you nodded. And like, Jarvis you know? was the class clown of Pagong. So yeah. like, you know, when he would, when they would go to tribal and Jeff, there's an early tribal where Jeff says, uh, 
does anybody feel safe tonight? Jervis is the only one who raises his hand. Yeah. And then he says, does anybody feel really in danger tonight? Jervis is the only one who raises his hand. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I feel like my raising my hand earlier might have gotten me into trouble. So yeah. now I'm really concerned. So Jervis is just, everybody was always laughing at Jervis. Um, Joel, I think, was the the sort of original all-American guy who maybe yeah. isn't well as well-liked by the people who aren't also all-American guys. Well... Here is my, I think the reason why Joel got voted out is because Joel mansplained everything yeah. to all the women that were on the Pagong tribe. So there's a little scene where I think it's either, it's Jenna or Gretchen, I can't remember one of them, and they're like, well, if I do something, Joel comes right behind me and tells me I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is just Survivor 101 annoying. Just right. leave people alone. Right. Uh, you know... If you want to just be like, yeah, you're doing a great job, fine. But even, you know, sub that it is don't say anything. The worst thing to say is you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, just let people experience Survivor. If they break something, wow, you know, hey, it's just Survivor. Joel uh, was a health club employee. Consultant. Consultant. Yeah. He told people how to do health clubs. In Arkansas. And... Uh, if you had asked me when all these people show up on the island to try to guess where everybody's from, Joel would have taken me the longest to get it right. Yeah, I would have. I would have been like, L.A. This yeah. guy's from L.A. He looked like Val Kilmer's little brother. He does look like Val Kilmer. I yeah. noticed that during the season. Yeah. And so I was uh, I was like, this guy has Hollywood written all over him. And I think in the reunion he talks about how he's moving to L.A. Yes, immediately. which makes sense. Why yes. is this guy living in Arkansas still? <laughs> and if I had to guess, he's still a health club consultant. Yes. But... Um, so that being is said, that your reason that Joel got voted out? So or? that being said, no, I think it was. I think it was. It was Joel had there had been some pent up aggression building towards Joel from yeah. the women in Pagong, and Jervis uncorked the bottle. <laughs> yeah, inadvertently. Yes, and Joel just got you know he got caught in the friendly fire and just happened to like be there, and when he should have just like walked away. He didn't. Yeah. And, you know, and here we learn that uh, one of our, you know, almost golden rules of Survivor is, you know, you just got to keep your mouth shut sometimes and, and just. Yeah. And even though he was, sort, you know, possibly chauvinistic and um, I think mansplaining is a great description of, of why he rubbed all the girls in the wrong yeah. way. But that being said, I, I liked Joel. I did. I liked Joel. Yeah. He was fine. He had some good challenge moments. Mm-hmm. Uh he single-handedly like won that one challenge with spear tossing for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think you know, like he was on his way to like being kind of the Captain America archetype. Yeah. He just made a le- wrong left-hand turn and t- turned into a different archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a he was, you know, yeah. For the mansplaining, I'm sure was as annoying as crap. But like, uh, but in other facets, Joel was likable. Yes. Yeah. Now we get to the merge. Yeah. We've merged. And our next boot is Gretchen Cordy. Uh, also Pagong. Also Pagong. So she was the... Uh, and this is... Would you say this is the beginning of the Pagonging? This is the beginning of Pagong. This is the beginning of Survivor as we know it. Yeah. This episode. This episode is one of the greatest moments in Survivor history. Uh, it is it is still a record holding vote. Um, 
because it's the only vote in which seven people receive it's the only tribal council in which seven different people receive votes. Well, let's set, set it up. So we start with 16 contestants. Now we're down to one, two, three, four, five, we're six. We're down to 10. So they we're down to 10. 10. They merged at 10. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it weird how they talked about the merge? Like beforehand, like they kind of just didn't know. Like one team knew yeah. what was happening. Right. And had a plan. And the other team sort of had a plan. The Padong members were like... We're not going to give them anything. I don't know. It yeah. was just really weird. And it was also called The Merger. That was yeah. the name of the episode. Well, The, the Merger. Survivor had not quite figured out its terminology this season. Do you know what people would win to protect themselves from uh, uh, Tribal Council down at the end? They would win an Do, idol necklace? No, they would win a an immunity talisman. <laughs> Jeff Probst called it a talisman over and over again. Did he? Yes. <laughs> He was like, "You'll you'll win the uh, you'll win the talisman, which will protect you from sort of, oh, from the vote tonight." I was oh, like, I never "Talisman!" Picked, I never picked up on that. You know, they sat down after that season. Was like, "All right, we gotta ha- we gotta have another name for this thing." Nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. But anyway, Gretchen. First off, what did Gretchen bring to the season? I think you know, for me, she's she's the embodiment of what a lot of people thought Survivor would be. I think so. So Gretchen was also ex-military. She or was had, she in the military? She had, I don't know, she had taught survivalism That's in the Air it. Force for That's six it. years. For, yeah, yeah. So she knew a lot. She's really the the one linchpin, kind of the underpinning of holding whatever Pagong tribe together so they wouldn't just go Lord of the Flies out there. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of kept their camp together, yes. even though it would, looked in disarray. She sort of kept it functioning and on the rails as much as it could stay on the rails. And I think everybody really loved her for that. She, you know, her tribe mates did. Her tribe mates absolutely loved her. Honestly, I think most of them thought Gretchen should win this game. And I think that's probably why the Alliance targeted her. Yes. She was the leader of Pagong. She was the one who would be able to organize and explain why they should make an alliance if it got to that point. Right. Um... So the Tagi Alliance, the Tagi Four, um, saw the danger in her. Saw the danger in her. She is, I think, the first person to truly be blindsided in Survivor, mm-hmm. and she's the first person to be eliminated for being a big threat to win the game. Mm-hmm. So that is the elimination of Gretchen Cordy is, I think, a, a landmark vote in Survivor because it established something we still see today, which is once they merge, threats start dropping, mm-hmm. um, and. But let's get to that vote. <laughs> okay. They were she was eliminated. The four the Tagi four of Richard, Susan, Kelly, and Rudy yeah. voted for her. Um she votes for Rudy. Probably smartly votes for Rudy. Because she would uh, Rudy's gonna rub a lot of people the wrong way, that would be Yeah. Um I'm looking. Where's the? Uh, I need to find that vote. I want to find the details of that vote because that is a. You want me to read them out to you? Oh yeah. Do you have them? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here are the. Okay. Sean is still. They go into it five to five. Yes. Okay. Five Tagi, five Pagong. Right. Sean, the other member of Tagi. Is this is the beginning of Sean's system? Does he vote Colleen? Yes. Okay. So it's time to explain Sean's system, which will which will. We'll talk more about Sean later. 
Sean is, he thinks the ticket to winning this game is to not offend anyone. And the way to do that is to play honorably. Is to put everyone's name in alphabetical order and from one tribal council to the next, just go down the list, voting for one person at a time. So he's going to vote for Colleen. And he basically, he wants to never be responsible for anyone going home. That is Sean's spoken. He later claims, he later kind of tries to retroactively claim this was an intentional strategy to take out Pagong people early. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense to me. No, that's not. Come on, Sean. So so let me defend Sean for, I give you the 10 second defense of okay. Sean. This strategy would have been, I can't say fine, however, better if he had never told anyone about it. And the flaw in it is, he told everybody. Yes. Yes. We'll get to how that so, undoes things for him. If yeah. he had just never told anyone and then let them try to catch on to it, and the, the curveball would have come later when Jervis wins immunity and he can't vote for Jervis, they would have been like, what is Sean doing? Right. And it maybe would have taken people a second to be like, he's just going down an alphabetical list. Well, the problem is Sean goes back to camp and says... Tells everyone because Sean wants to be a nice guy. He's like, so I'm voting for you next time, but it's not personal. It's, it's just it's, your name's your, up. Your name's next. Sorry, Brent. You're a B. Yeah. You're first. So anyway, that's why he votes Colleen. So let me let me just ask you then. So who does Greg vote for? Greg votes for Jenna within his own tribe. Who does Jenna vote for? Jenna votes for Jervis within her own tribe. Who does Jervis vote for? Jervis votes for Sue. Okay. What's, that makes some sense. Sue's a loudmouth, and he might think other people might vote. Who does uh, Colleen vote for? She votes for Rich. Richard. Okay. And they give their reasons of, these people annoy me. Yeah, they weren't organized, so that's an issue. But at least I can understand the votes for Sue and Rich. Because Colleen sees Rich, and she's just like, I don't like this guy. I want to vote him out. That's fine. Um, Jenna voting for... Or who voted Jervis. for... Jenna voted for Jervis, and Greg voting for Jenna is Jenna's so still had, I think, still had a little residual thing about the the comment about women. Oh, towards Jervis, yeah, maybe. But anyways, <sighs> long story short, it's five different people, five different cabs. You know, like they basically just go their own ways. They don't even talk to anybody. They can't drum up any kind of like voting block or like alliance to counter what's like and in their defense they don't really know but like Sean maybe I don't know I don't I, maybe they could have figured this out even without calling it an out and out alliance you would think there would at least be discussions about being like like hey I think I'm gonna vote for Rich tonight or how about Jenna just being like yeah I'm hey Jervis like I'm gonna put aside that you're a, a dummy and who do you want to vote for? Right. Like on the other tribe. Yeah. Like, but they don't even do that. So they're just tangents, just going off. This, these are off. these are people playing individually. Yeah. At this point. And um, Gre- including Gretchen. Gretchen. Yep. And Gretchen is and she just says, like, it's me, you know, after the third yeah. vote. It's just like the blind side. Yeah, and it's it's like they don't they didn't realize that's what the game would be, would be getting together and targeting people. Even, and even after it happens, they don't want to tell themselves that's how the game is. 
Yeah. It takes them a while to do that. There are people who just deny it yep. for a while. And they're just like, it's including Sean. Sean is unaware that there's an alliance of the four people who are not Directly Sean. asked. He's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think we can buy into that. Small sample size. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's why Gretchen lost. And yeah. I think the only, probably the only reason why she lost, Alliance targeted her that didn't have any, and she had no defense against it. She was a threat to win. Yep. All right, let's get to Greg. Ooh, boy. A, is he the proto, like, <sighs> Philip Shepard? Is he, like, the earliest? Sure. Version of just like the oddball, yeah. Of Greg's Survivor. a kook, but Greg is uh, maybe not Philip. Uh, well, Philip, I think that there's, you're you're not quite sure, but like Greg is is I think very obviously a calculated kook. Yeah, Greg knows what he's doing, and he's he's even though I think that's his personality, I think he's also playing it up a yeah. ton. Um. Greg's likable to his tribe mates, definitely to Colleen. They hit it off. I think they're the first tri- survivor couple, even though we don't necessarily know if they were a couple or not. I'm pretty sure they were not, but they were just pals who would who had who shared a sense of humor. Well, let me put it this way: two other people, yes, they thought they were a couple, so therefore on Survivor they were perceived as a couple. Yes, so. It didn't hurt them, I don't think, ever as it does later in games. But they... And they didn't use it to their advantage. Um, but people saw that, you know, that they were sort of attached at the hip. Yeah. But Greg was kooky. I mean, if you're... But if you, you know, hey, if you like West Side Story and the songs of Stephen Sondheim, Greg's your guy. He's uh first person to ever win individual immunity, Talisman. Oh, Talisman. Um, Stop! You're freaking me out. He uh, he lost for two reasons. First, he got Pagong. That's the simplest reason that most of yeah. the Pagongs lose this I season. Was, here's why, in my opinion, Greg lost. He was a threat to Rich. He was a social threat. He started turning up his social game, uh, especially to Rich. Richard saw him as a problem, and Richard took him out. I love that he was really buddying up to Richard, and Richard's just like, you, you, there are these cutaways to Richard being like, he's really being kind of fun and cool to me. I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. And then Richard votes for him. He's just like, yeah. sorry, Greg. And I think that was Seemed like a cool kid. He added a good part to the game for, for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg was probably voted, if it was just to, at the finale, I think, when Bryant Gumbel asked them who would have won if this game was just Survivor. Like, just survive, and they everyone was like, Greg. Yeah, even Gretchen. Yeah. Gretchen said Greg. Oh, a couple of people said Gretchen, yeah. but Greg was, like, the first boy in the woods, you know? Um, and he survived on just his sense of humor and his charm, and I think he had both those in spades, and, you know, he was, you know. But yeah, he's not everybody's cup of tea and definitely no. wasn't mine. Not really. His humor is not my humor. Um, though he seemed to entertain a few people. He did not entertain Rudy. No. <laughs> I like Ru- Rudy's response to Greg, which is just like, uh, Greg gets a video from his sister, and there's this, there's some weird mugging going on between him and his sister, and uh, Rudy's just like, he's like, kind of sounds like he was talking about incest to me. I don't know about any of that. <laughs> so anyway, moving on from Greg, let's get to Jenna. Jenna Lewis. Um Maybe responsible for the most heartbreaking moment of the season? 
when she doesn't uh, get her family video. Jenna, she of the quivering lip. Jenna? Yeah. Where so, she stands there also after that one, after losing the one where she wanted to, the letter or the videos or whatever, she yeah. just stands there shooting the arrows closer and closer to the target. Yeah. It's a really, really good, uh, some good editing on that Jenna episode. She, uh, so in the intro to every episode, Jenna, when they show Jenna, it's her lip quivering and it's from this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what ha- what happened to Jenna? Why did you think she got uh, the old heave-ho there? Well, first I'll say, Jenna's the youngest player on the season. Really? She's 22. I would have guessed it's Colleen. Uh, Colleen and Dirk and I think one other person are all 23. Okay, And wow. Jenna, Jenna was 22 with two kids at home. Also um, goes on to, is she more famous for the outside of Survivor thing or... Probably famous for Survivor. I think people only know to look for her sex tape because of she. If they know her from Survivor, uh, back in the day when you made your way into fame by releasing, oh, I'm sorry, by having a sex tape exposed that you quote unquote stolen from you, <laughs> and then it turns out you're making all the profits from a, the, the steal. Right. The, there was the a the sex tape of Jenna. Um, but yeah, Jenna was uh, a sweetheart in this first season. Uh, she was kind of annoying, though, to not just the viewer, but to everyone else out there. That was something you would kind of hear uh, from from the cast throughout the season. Um, but Jenna was probably one, the first like woman from the Pagong crew to go from the fun bunch of the Pagong crew to crew group to go you know yeah. like the first guy was Greg the yeah. first one was it the one that like Kelly ends up wanting to be buddies with yeah was Jenna and we'll talk about that with Kelly this is her. where they have figured out the the alliance and the problem is as Richard jokes as Richard laughs about it, he was like well it's it's too late yeah. You've already lost. Especially with Sean around. You need Because to... Jenna really goes because her number was up because Sean told everybody, I'm voting for Jenna. I'm voting for Jenna, but don't worry, Jenna. You're going to be fine. I suspect Jenna's going to be fine from this vote. And if I think that she's in trouble, I won't vote for her, but he doesn't have any information. No. Because yeah. he's the he only dispenses information. He doesn't receive it. Um, so... So Sean announces he's voting for Jenna, or, or doesn't have to. He just admits he's he is continuing with his ABC plan. He and will be voting for Jenna. Blood in the water for the alliance. And so the alliance is like, well, why don't we just have an extra vote from Sean? Because Kelly breaks from the Toggy Four on this vote. Yes, but Rich figures out we don't need Kelly. Yeah, he they they realize well Kelly's wavering, but we don't need Kelly because we have Sean. I think Kelly ends up voting for Sean. Something like that. Kelly and and Jenna vote together, I believe. Yeah. Um, she doesn't vote for anyone in her alliance, and she doesn't vote for any of her buddy newfound buddies. She votes for Sean. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and this starts Kelly's uh, maneuver of I'm, you know, playing Mrs. Nice Guy. The the vapid stare into the fire from Sean Kenneth after Jenna gets voted out is. A magical moment for me. Yeah, it's um, it's on a list of mine later. <laughs> um, so Jenna wasn't going to win anyway, but she got voted out at the time. She got voted out due to Sean's ABC game. Yep, and and everyone uh, knowing about it. Right. Jervis is next. 
Mr. Cow Joke, Mr. Class Clown of season one. Very memorable. Yeah. I think instantly a fan favorite from from episode two because of his uh, his hysterics during the eating challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody just loved Jervis. And Jervis was good TV. He Jervis was, is... He was always frank yeah. with everybody with the camera. You got a feeling like, okay, this guy's like a... a a fun guy to be around. He's honest. He's he's a he's a good guy. Yeah, um, and that's what people talk about. And he talks about specifically about his game plan is I'm not going to go in here and bust my ass and do a whole bunch of work because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. But I know that I can be the jovial fun guy. I'm gonna bring a deck of cards and play cards with everybody. Have a good time, and everyone's going to. He's the first guy to get by on his just cult of personality and he goes a long way with it he hangs around a long time yeah. in the game because we're people, down to seven people like having Jervis around yeah. and we're so, down to seven but the problem is we're down to seven and it's the it's Jervis and Colleen are the only two people left from Pagong right they show up at tribal council with with uh artwork on their shirts is about, this one? about how they're they are sitting ducks and she's targets. the sitting duck she's the sitting duck he's the target yeah. yeah they know they see the writing on the wall finally from the alliance yeah that they couldn't do anything about or wouldn't do anything about really right. and the writing is on the wall and that's why Jarvis had to go Jarvis also had won some challenges at this point so rich and Rudy are looking at him like and he's dusted Kelly and sue and other challenges so they're all looking at him like well, he's a threat mm-hmm. to win these challenges, these individual talismans, and you know we got to get him out of here. So if between him and Colleen, that's why he had to go. Yeah. Um, speaking of Colleen, she's next. Sitting duck was the sitting duck. Yeah, and as Brian Gumble later describes, Survivor's first sweetheart. Yes, America's sweetheart. Really, yeah. that that there was a fervor around Colleen Haskell yeah. back in the summer of 2000. Um, to the point where she got this uh, a leading role in a Rob Schneider comedy. Granted, yeah. it was a it was complete garbage, but the animal, the name of that movie. But, uh, God, Colleen was just so cute. Yeah. and But she also had, like, an acerbic wit. She was a little bit acid-tongued with her, like, wit. To the way, way, I don't think she was quite as, quote, sweet as uh, some as we would see in a few subsequent seasons of, like, the sweetheart of the show. Yeah. But Colleen was just, she was really funny. Um, she was. She gave really good confessionals. Yes. Um, she was one of, Jervis did too. There were a lot of good people in the season that gave, like, really good confessionals. Yeah. And Colleen was definitely, like, one of them. Near the top. And especially, like, talking about uh, the potential for an alliance and how Sean was, like, you know, we asked Sean. He's like, no, there's not an alliance. And she's like, come on, man. Wake up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Colleen, she's also probably one of the first people to get, like, crushed by kind of Survivor. Like, not really mentally, but getting, like, downtrodden in spirit. Her spirit sort of, by the end, I think she was ready to go. And because of, like, she wasn't the most physical threat or she wasn't the most this threat, she ended up being taken along where, like, if Colleen had to do it over again, she would have traded spots with someone like Greg and gone out then to where yeah. she didn't have to really be around for the end of the game. Colleen, I think, is similar to BB in that this was not what she expected it to be. No. 
Um, I, although she's very different what she expected it to be than BB. But um, she, she had fun while it was fun, but when it wasn't fun anymore, she did what you could tell. Yeah, she really didn't get into it for the cerebral strategy game. She was there to build a society on an island. And uh, it's with weird strangers. watching it. You could almost feel your not really your enjoyment of the show, but your you could feel almost this waning of like or this <sighs> the joy of the first like 10 episodes are there's a little bit of a stretch there where it doesn't really slog along but it kind of like you are moving along at sort of the mentality of Colleen there for like an episode or two yeah and you're waiting to turn the corner where you get to the end yeah and it kind of it doesn't really survive it doesn't really suffer in that moment you just kind of have this like feeling while you're watching it of right. like you're moving with Colleen right well yeah she lost due to Pagonging yeah she's the final Pagong yep. of the uh, um, maybe the most famous tribe in Survivor history it's probably the most well known tribal name it's Pagong oh and they were a good tribe they, I mean they they, were, they won some challenges they were just the most unique tribe ever yeah because they had a lot of fun no tribe could ever be like Pagong after the fact after what happened to Pagong um, okay, well, now we get to the final five, and we have the Tagi Four plus the ABC killer, uh, Sean Kenneff. And uh, Sean goes out next, unsurprisingly. Right. What was your favorite thing about... Was there a favorite moment for Sean? Because I have one. I'll, I'll, I'll start. It's, uh, it's uh, the visit from his dad. The surprise yeah. of his dad being the captain on the ship where he got to go spend the night. I was like, that was, that's actually a really cool reward. Um... I, that would have been cool to see everybody else have also a uh, so and somebody be their a loved one be their captain. Yeah, um, my favorite thing about Sean is like he just personifies like the guy on Survivor that and we'll see this again and again. He just can't get out of his own way. Yeah, like even when his dad coming, he screws up who he takes. He yep. like somehow tells oh, Kelly. Yeah. God. He's going to take her agreement. on the reward, reward, and then the next day he just is on the boat and goes, So, Rich, you want some eggs? You want to come? And Kelly's like, wait a minute. What what, what happened? This goes back to Sean. I've never seen a contestant on Survivor more paralyzed by decision-making yeah. than Sean Kenneth. I mean, even, like you said, he and Kelly had worked it out. He yep. was going to take Kelly if he yep. wanted something. And um, <laughs> he... He's so paralyzed by the decision of just saying, Kelly. Yep. That he says, instead, he says, hey, Kelly, who do you think I should give it to? And she's like, don't put this on me. Yeah, he's, yeah he says, I'm like, Kelly, so what do you think, Kelly? It's you like, know, it's your what decision. Do you think I should do? It's your decision. Who do you want to take? And he just he kind of looks around and he's like, Richard, you like eggs, right? Yeah. They all like eggs. They're all starving. Right, right. And then he gives that reason later. He's like, well, I know Richard really likes eggs. Yeah. God. Poor Sean. Even Hatch. Even Richard Hatch is just like, he, he's like, I can't believe he took me. Yeah. He, uh, um, it was a, a good moment with his dad. It was sweet and all, but just Sean just can't get out of his own way to do that. No. And like, and, you know, was that the reason he's really voted off? I, 
I don't know. I think we're getting down to a point where Sean and Kelly are probably the two most physical people left out here. Um, and therefore, Sean is is a target. And also, this is the point where Sean has stopped doing his alphabet thing because he can't do it anymore. And has really started gunning for the game. Mm-hmm. And he's become dangerous. And he basically had to go at this point. Yeah. Um Final four, we have Sue finishing in fourth place. Sue, Sue Hawk. Sue Hawk. Of Survivor fame. Man, so Sue brought so much to this first season. Yeah. I love Sue. Sue is the is the original sort of redneck of Survivor. Sue is the original I wear everything on my sleeve. The blue collar. The uh, I don't think you've seen what this season. What comes out of like, my mouth is how I feel and I'm not apologizing for it. But like Dan from Worlds Apart or uh, Big Tom. Big Tom. You've got like Keith Nail sort of. like yeah. the, um, Chicken. Chicken. Yes. Damn! Damn. <laughs> uh, Sue is sort of the original redneck of Survivor and she embraces it. She says that from the beginning. And you know I love that scene with Hatch at the be- in the very first episode when she's like uh uh, white collar world isn't going to work out here, buddy. You know, yeah. we got to roll up our sleeves and do some work. Yeah. Um, Sue also had a uh, fun misspelling of nearly every person's name yeah. she wrote down the whole season. Um, she voted for Genie at one point. Uh, but no, uh, Sue, also the first person to really, I think, on camera embrace the alliance. I think Richard is given a lot of credit these days for mm-hmm. the Tagi Four. But I think Sue is as instrumental as he is. She is. She realizes the value of the alliance as soon as Rich pitches it to her. She's, She's on board with yeah. it. Yeah, Sue is like if you when rewatching this, I was like fascinated on like how much Sue is both a good survivor player and a bad survivor player all at the same time. Yes, she. There are scenes where she's in the background suffering through Rudy, like and just like clamming up and taking it. Yeah. And, like, you know she wants to explode. Yeah. And there are also scenes where they're, like, strategizing. And sh- and Rich will be like, you know who needs to go next. And Sue will be like, Colleen! And Richard goes, no, Greg. And she goes, Greg! Yeah. And she's really open, and that's how they vote. Yeah. So she's a great Alliance member. She's all about the Alliance and on board and that. But then sh- her game just starts to break down. And well, I think people see her as a. I think in the early seasons there was a much bigger focus on how much money does this person have in real life. Yeah, and I think everybody, I think they could see Sue as a threat to just be like, well, this is more life changing money for Sue than it is for Rudy yeah. or Rich or someone young like Kelly who has yeah. their whole future ahead of them. Um, so I think that's part of the reason she gets booted. Well, I think also. Yeah. Certain people just sort of get too... Uh, Rudy and Rich are too locked into each other at this point. Whereas her alliance, sub-alliance with Kelly, completely falls apart. Right. And Sue makes the mistake of telling Kelly that she'll never take her to the end when yeah. they have a final two alliance. Yes. And they, she, they break that. I don't know how it... Uh, I mean, I can get into like how it gets broken, but literally the words coming out of Sue's mouth are, I'll never take you to the final three. Right. And at that point, Kelly is like, well, wait a minute. And Kelly uh, still votes with her. They vote. It's a 2-2 split, and then Jeff makes them re-vote. Right. Kelly flips her vote. 
and vote Sue. So how would the tie have worked? So apparently there would have been some sort of physical challenge between oh, Rich like and fire. Sue. Okay, got yeah. it. Um, so, uh, so there's a two-two tie, and then they revote, and Kelly stands at the podium, a thing to write her vote for, like an, an eon, and then finally writes down Sue's name, and yeah. bo- and Sue's fine with it. Sue's at like the time. Sh- Sue smiles. She's like, "Okay, okay, I'm ready to go. I did good. I did good. I did better than I thought it would." Until Sue realizes that she's going to be on TV again, and everything changes oh, later. Oh, she has fun with that. Yeah. Rudy is next. Rudy's the third one out. So we get to the final three. I know why he lost. Because he took his hand off. Yes. Yes. That is definitely... <laughs> Boom! Done. Case closed. Moving on. Um, Rudy... By the way, though, Rudy, the who seemingly was so unaware of everything that happened to them, him this whole season. I don't know. I don't know. Don't spoil it. This is on my list later. Oh. Uh, Rudy, Not on my list. Rudy, the only person on Borneo that voted perfectly... Every single vote. Oh, good. Good for Rudy. Rudy voted for... Every time Rudy wrote someone's name down, they went the X. Except for... Rudy Bosch, the executioner. The executioner. I got buddies back home that'll that'll take care of you if you... If you you don't keep your word. Kept talking about his buddies back home. At one point, they were like, Is this guy going to murder us if he doesn't win? (laughs) We feel like he might. Oh, God. Uh, Rudy was the... A breakout star of the first season. It's a piece of work. And uh, sound bots for days with Rudy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you get a guy born in the 1920s and you stick him out there with a bunch of kids and a, a middle-aged gay man who likes to just hang out naked all the time. Mm-hmm. Rudy's going to have some things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to not hold back when he's saying it to the camera. Is this the best and moment to ask this question about Rudy? Um so when they get their their family tapes, so they get like messages mailed to them. Is Rudy married to a female version of himself? Pretty much. Did his wife look just like him? Marge is like, and also she just talks. She's like so unenthusiastic, just like it Rudy. was like Rudy, but smaller with a curly wig. Yeah, and she's like, uh, the grandkids say hello, and Rudy's everybody else is like crying at their videos, and Rudy's just like he's like. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's his response. Yeah, all right. Moving on. That's that was neat. Uh, reason why Rudy lost. So they get down to the final challenge. You know, and just Rich volunteers to step out of the challenge. Yep. First, and that leaves Rudy versus Kelly. Rudy just his mind slips after four hours of yeah. They have to do this weird thing where they like. Jeff makes them like not only like step off and readjust, but like move to the other podium to stand on. They have to rotate standing post while keeping their hands on an idol. And Rudy just has a brain lapse and takes his hand out. Yeah, yeah. And so he loses. He gets sent home uh, because Kelly would rather sit next to everybody would rather sit next to Rich than Rudy because Rudy. I think by this point Rudy would have gotten the million dollars. You think? I do think so because I think well actually I don't know maybe not against Kelly but Kelly might have made the wrong choice yeah. um, but I think there was definitely a perception among both Rudy I'm sorry among both Rich and Kelly that Rudy would beat either one of them well Rudy would have got Rich in Sue's vote yeah would he have gotten anyone else's Sean um, maybe I think she she would have won 4-3 maybe maybe 
I don't know. Well, we don't need to litigate this now. Either way, there was a perception that Rudy would win. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I believe it. Uh, so that leaves Kelly. Kelly had finished second uh, at the end. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about Kelly real quick. Um, she's the first person I was watching for this. She's the first person to say the word alliance on television. Okay. On Survivor. Um, she did not receive a vote the entire season. That's true. Against her. We brought that up in the finale. Um, she is the only woman to this day... Uh, she is tied for the record for most immunity wins in a she season with went four. On a incredible run, she's the only woman to ever win four straight immunity challenges. Um, she won the final four immunity challenges. So at a certain point, Kelly bails on the alliance. Yes, and this around is, the time Jenna goes home, this is the beginning of several arc, like tropes of Survivor. You have an alliance and someone who's I don't know if she's necessarily at the bottom, but someone who feels like they don't want to be it anymore, and they jump ship. However, she didn't really jump ship to another alliance because no. there was no such thing. No. She just jumped ship to being a free agent like she, everyone else did. She felt the perception of... There was a definitely a perception in this season that the alliance, the Tagi Alliance, the Tagi Four are ruining this show. And not we're not having fun. And we're not having fun. And three of them were fine with that. Right. Sue, Rudy, and Rich were fine with that. Especially Sue and Rich. Mm-hmm. Those two were particularly fine. They're like, we don't give a shit. And this we're is where win. Sean had a problem with it. It wasn't the honorable thing to do. Right. The alliance wasn't honorable. And I think Kelly is the one who felt the weight of all that talk. And Kelly couldn't do the social things that come with it of sh- not really shunning the other people, but not talking to the other people. And there were people who openly talked about it. Kelly's having problems with the fact that she can't hang out and have a good time. With Colleen and Jenna. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to be on this island and having fun. And um, and she couldn't do that. Right. And was stuck in this alliance with people she didn't see eye to eye with. They were older than her. They didn't have the same worldviews. All these kinds of things. And she really, at that point, didn't really want to hang out with them. Right. And uh, she did build a strong relationship. They called it sisterly with Sue. But that waiver was like night and day, you know, mm-hmm. just depending on like what day it was, was, whether they were fighting or whether they were, you know, were all made up and goody goody. In some respects, Kelly played a stronger season than Rich, but she, her flaws were more fatal than his, I think. Yeah. And because, I mean, you know, in the modern day, if you, if you talk about like, well, this person had four straight immunity wins and never had a vote cast against them. And, um, was probably a stronger friend with everybody than the winner. Like, you would think, well, this person's going to win. Right. But her flaw was that I think she just was a little wishy-washy when it came to so a lot. at the end, and why she lost, we can get into that. I think the reason why she lost is because she tried to have her cake and eat it, too. She was a little too duplicitous. If she had t- taken one path, like Rich did... And just drove it home. And that's why he got votes. Is people are like, hey, he came out here with a plan. He played a stand-up game. If you believe that this is a stand-up game. Mm-hmm. He had a plan and he did it. And Kelly basically flipped and wishy-washy a lot of times. Now, there were some people that really appreciated that. And they talked about it at the end. Mm-hmm. But it didn't win her the votes because... In order to backstab no one, she backstabbed the people that she originally was aligned with. Right. And it all really came down to like, well, you know, and everybody's vote was the deciding vote. But 
it really came down to Sue's vote. And that's really what she should have gotten and she didn't get because because of that. Mm-hmm. She wanted to win the game and she was playing really hard, but also at the other other hand, she was like, Well, I don't want I want to come out with no blood on my hands. And it's like you just can't really do that in Survivor. And if there was ever a, an era when that could have worked, when you could I mean it's the beginning. Like nowadays, I think that like Richard Hatch controlling the game the way he did. I think more of a jury would respect that now than yeah. they did in that first season. Yeah, this would have been like a you know a, a six to one vote. But like a lot of those people in the jury resented Rich, not in a personal way, but because Rich put together the the thing that killed the season for them. Yeah, you could feel, and someone like Colleen personified it the most, I think. And that's what I mean about, like, you start to feel that at the end. It kind of kind of lumbers a little bit towards the end. Yeah. Like, the people that were having fun aren't having fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can see in the finale, Colleen just doesn't want to listen to Rich anymore. Because right. although she may respect his game, she's like, yeah, but that's not what I came out here for. Right. Yeah. Well, let's get to Rich. Richard Hatch, the first ever sole survivor by a 4-3 vote receiving votes from Sue Sean uh, Rudy and Greg Greg um, what was first off what, what? how would you describe Richard's strategy for this first win I think Richard's strategy was to um, take advantage of the places he could take advantage of and one was he said, I was waiting for this spear, this fishing spear, and I was waiting to get this snorkel stuff because I wanted to be the guy that did this. And Richard became this provider, and that helped him. And I think it helped him, give one, give him something to do, and where he didn't drive everybody crazy. He was out doing something. And then, two, he could have, like, he could be the provider for the tribe, Although there were people that were like, it doesn't really matter. I think it mattered to Rich. Mm-hmm. And it l- allowed him to like constantly formulate like strategy. Um, I think that was like one reason. Um, the second reason I think what how like Rich was like idea of like how he was going to win was um, I think Rich like came in with this idea that like we need to build alliances and he was ready to go with that and found the right people to pitch that to and that were acceptable to that. I think Richard probably had a few different options on his own plate when he started the game of like, I don't know what this is going to be. Yep. I need to figure out what this is going to be and then I will try to play it if it's going to be this way, way A, way B, way B, way C or whatever. Um, He saw that for the most part everybody was just going to be voting their conscience every single episode. So he thought, well, I can exploit that. And all I need are three other people to do that. Yeah. And so I think the Alliance thing, uh, he he basically set the template for the way the game would be played at least for another ten seasons or so, and, and arguably longer. But um, he... I think he would have been willing to do something different if the situation had presented, or if it, he felt it necessary to do something different. Um, I totally agree. Because I think he, I think his goal was just observe and figure out what is this person doing. Like, look at Colleen. Figure out what Colleen is doing here, 
and no, and if he goes, I feel like if he understands what Colleen is doing, he can predict what she'll do, and if he can predict what Rudy's doing out here, mm-hmm. and and etc. on down the line, and I think, I think he did an excellent job with just observing uh, the people around him. When he said observation is what got me here, I was like. 100% observation is what got you here. One of the things he didn't bring up in the final travel council that I think the reason he won is although a lot of people said Rich is a pompous asshole or however they put it, he was pompous and conceited and all these things, he was only that way about himself. He was never derogatory towards anyone to their face. He suffered through everyone out there with a bit lip and never said a word. And that is like a trait of a person that goes a long way in Survivor is dealing with the 15 other or however many other personalities that you've been given. And like when Rudy burns the fish, like that he he's so mad. Like and he describes it in a confessional and, and he vents a lot of stuff to the confessional and never takes it back and to the person. And much like Sue where she did that, but then she blew her game up later. Yeah. Rich never blew his game up later, yet suffered through Sue, suffered through Kelly, suffered through Rudy, suffered through Greg, suffered through all these people, and only came off as like a self-centered person, but never a mean person to anyone else. Right. He was always pleasant to have around. He went and caught, he caught fish while Dirk and uh, Sean were wasting time, yep. literally every day. Yep. Um Rich, I think, you know, when, when you... I, I agree. I think his social game is wildly underrated. And I think even the people who who liked him socially don't realize how much they liked him. Uh, because they, they see him that way. They see him as a pompous guy. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to see Richard's game, you can tell from the beginning when there's that scene where Sonia is playing the song. Where she sings the song about the, the Prozac blues right. or whatever. And... Yeah. It's just rich. It's just rich sitting there. He listens to it. Yeah. It's, it's just okay. And But at the end, he's just like, oh, that's really great. That is really great. Yeah, the weird thing about it is, like, not a lot of people have any uh, good things to say about Rich, like, at the end. But Rich has good things to say about everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have the challenge where Kelly remembers all these minute details about everybody. And, like, that's why she wins this challenge. Because she knows everything about it. Well, Rich doesn't know those things. But, like, Rich, like, appreciates, like, all these, like, he appreciates, there's a scene where he appreciates Jervis. And he, yes. like, Jervis is just the most lovable guy out here. And, like, I know that's his game. Jervis is I'm, teaching me how to play this card game. Yeah, and, and he's, like, he does the same thing with Greg. He does the same thing with Gretchen. He mm-hmm. does the same thing with Rudy. He just has, like, good things to say about them, even though, like, he's going to cut their throats. And, like, he... It's it's really weird. He finds like something good about like all those people that he can sort of not really latch onto, but help him like deal with like the psychology of living with them, mm-hmm. where it doesn't drive him crazy. Do you have a favorite move of his? Uh, lining with Rudy. Uh, that makes yeah. I like I mean, that. Well, stepping off the yeah, stepping. Well, I mean the the all time survivor move is. Is stepping off at three at travel at the final final yeah. challenge. I do want to highlight that for anybody uh, listening because it it's I think one of the most brilliant moves in Survivor history in an era where most people didn't play 
thinking this way, you know? Like, yeah. thinking, like, uh, sort of... The odds. Right. So, final three, you've got Kelly, Rich, and Rudy. And Rich, I think, figures he doesn't want to sit... In, he would rather sit next to Kelly than Rudy at the end. Yeah. And he thinks Kelly would probably rather sit next to him, because he's a pompous ass, right. than Rudy. Who is also an ass, but in a different way. In a way that I feel like people just respect Rudy more because of his service to the country and whatnot. And I think maybe that's why he figures, well, I don't really want to sit next to Rudy. And I think Kelly doesn't want to sit next to Rudy, but I don't know. But where he, where the brilliance comes in is he can't burn Rudy in a, in a vote. If he wins that challenge, he has to take Rudy. Because if he puts Rudy on the on the jury, everybody is gonna not is gonna you know lose respect for him right. for burning Rudy, including Rudy, and Rudy's gonna vote for Kelly, and then Rich is probably gonna lose to Kelly if he sends Rudy to the jury. Kelly, on the other hand, if she sends uh, Rich to the jury, well that's fine, but Kelly. But Rich knows he, he's probably going to vote for Rudy. Sue's going to vote, maybe vote for Rudy. He thinks people are going to vote for Rudy still. So he realizes the only way he can get he can get both Rudy's vote, keep respect from the jury, and sit next to Kelly step out. is by finishing, not even second, but finishing third in that challenge. Um, he, he had a lot of time to think about it. He was out there for a while. About half his, an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then after about half an hour, he comes to the conclusion that his best move is to let go. Is to let go, and he sits down, eats oranges, and uh, just so he says, "You know, hey, this may cost me." And he tries uh, to explain it to Jeff. Yeah, and because Jeff doesn't understand, Jeff's like, "What are you doing? Right? This was your shot." And Jeff starts down the path of you've left Rudy swinging in the breeze to to take care of you to the end, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, Rudy, but the reason I say." I say pick a Rudy is just to kind of highlight something like that was like laying in the weeds the whole time is like how important that turned out to be. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like hindsight 2020, but Rudy at the end, not only takes rich to is going ready to take rich to the final two. He stands up there and it's confessional and says, we had this deal. When he's voting in the finals and writing Rich's name down to win the million dollars, said, we have a deal to not only take each other to the finals, but this is our deal. Well, I'm going to take you and vote and vote for you if I don't make it. Right. And Rudy comes through. Yeah. And, like, it's just like, wow. He picked the guy, identified the guy who, like, the one guy out there he needed to to get him on board because he was the most ended up being the most loyal person and you can like then when you think back about it he took the first 10 days to talk Rudy into it and mm-hmm. like must have just been working him and working him about how Rudy look we have to do this alliance thing this is how this game is going to work i'm going to define this game right here for you right and he defines it to Rudy and then Rudy plays his role like a good soldier all the way to the end. We, uh... Yeah, I think we've already talked Rich had a good Final Travel Council performance. Although I don't think a whole lot changed at Final Travel. I think Colleen's vote switched. She says it switched. She says Kelly. Kelly 
answered a question about, you know, why are you sitting here? And Kelly said, well, you know, it's my willpower. And I think she, you know, I think Colleen made it far. And I think it's like one of those things where you want to vote for someone who personified your game. Yeah. Jervis certainly liked Rich, too. I think he was just a big fan of Kelly in particular. And also, I think Sue's speech made Jervis double down on Kelly a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so... We had, uh, when we first did our Survivor Rankings, we had Richard Hatch ranked as the 13th best winner. Number 13 among winners. Does that feel about right? I mean, on the one hand, he did play with some brilliance, but also he was playing uh, against a bunch of bing-bongs who, well, they weren't really bing-bongs, but they were people who didn't know what this thing was supposed to be. He made some good, great moves. We just talked about, like, a couple of them. Um... He was the beneficiary of like someone like Sean. Um, his alliance, he couldn't completely hold it together. Kelly jumped ship. Um, you know, and that's not all on him, but he was like part of that. Um, you know, he kept Rudy to the end. Somebody like Yule, you know, kept Becky till the end. Um, he, you know, he had. He. There wasn't enough game to play. I think for him to show his full game. Does that make sense? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. He was out there playing a season 10 game, if season the, 12 now, game. Now, granted, if if, it, if the game had, like, by the time they hit the beach, the game was on, we would have seen Rich being on, and he would have probably been higher on that list. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's, we've got him a little too maybe low. Maybe. I wonder maybe if he can reassess that. Should be a little fun to do. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, now that we've covered the cast... Um, first off, as a cast as a whole, uh, all-time great, just very good, average, below average. Uh, I, I, I think they're in towards the all-time great more so than they are between that and like average, somewhere like good like that. Um, we, we ranked the cast fourth. Yeah, but, they uh, are. That sounds. They right are super likable. They are. Not, like, babes in the woods, but they are definitely, like, taking everything with, like, a smile on their... Like, not necessarily a smile on their face, but in good spirits. They have their moments of, like, you know, snarking at each other and all that. And, but it but never gets super nasty except at Final Travel Council. They are so, like, enjoying each other. They're and, enjoying this process so yeah. much. Uh, and it makes you enjoy the show. Yes, I agree. The cast is a, a huge overall strength of the, the season. Um, the gameplay. Um, are there any innovations? I, I, this isn't really going to, I think, be a big section for us in this season. Because I will say that you can see sort of the flickerings, the primordial start of some of the gameplay. Sure. Um, you get the first, like... Alliance, that you get the first like threat boot. The yeah, you get the first. Uh, what are we going to do to break up the alliance? You know, who do I identify that's cracking? Well, it's Kelly. You know, she's definitely cracking. Um, you get talk about like the we need to form the the alliance against them, but it never really pans out. But yeah, you know, like there's the start of gameplay. It's just people just don't know how to pull it off yet. Right. Well, let's get to our superlatives for the season. Yeah. Okay. I, I outlined a few of these. Uh, we're going to try to do these fairly quickly. I know we're at an hour and a half right now. So All right, we'll, we'll bang them out. We'll, 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 we'll get these quickly. Uh, who's your favorite 
pre-merge boot? Who's your, not not the boot itself, but who's your favorite player that didn't make it to the merge? Uh, I'm gonna say oh, a merge, not the jury. Right. So uh, unfortunately, Gretchen is not covered here. I'll go with Joel. Yeah, Joel's my pick too. I like Ramona too. Um, yeah. If there's one that you would want to see play again, would it be Joel? Hmm. I might want to see someone like Ramona play again, and maybe, but I'm not really basing it on that. I'm, it is what it is. Is kind of what I'm basing it on. Ramona kind of got sick or dehydrated, and it didn't really work out for her. If she had hit the beach differently, maybe it would have been a different story. But I kind of like the goofiness of Joel. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I forgot to include this in our list, but uh, who uh, is there a player you think just got dealt a bad hand this season? Jenna. I mean, just uh, with that Sean thing. The ABC thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, maybe. Um, she also didn't get her tape. <laughs> like, talk about Delta Bad Hand. Yeah. Jenna got it, like, coming and going. I was leaning Ramona here just because... Yeah, it's just that, getting, that just happened. The one yeah, person too. who got sick. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite tribal council? Now, it can be for various reasons. It could be for... The, the boot, the satisfaction of seeing someone go home, a, a great blindside, or just a wild travel? Uh, I love the um, the targets and the sitting duck one. No, where, tribal. Favorite tribal. Council. Tribal council. Yeah. Where they... Oh, where oh Jervis, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yes. Jervis tape, yes. and they put the target yeah, thing on really his funny. shirt. And that is really funny. So uh, I love that one. Uh, I'd still go with Gretchen. The four one 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 boat. Yeah. Um... <laughs> the complete ridiculousness of all of them finding it different is. people to vote yeah. for. Uh, favorite challenge or reward? My favorite challenge, I... This is back when they actually, like, just put some imagination into these. My favorite one, I think it's the one where they pretend that there's a plane crash. Oh, yeah. And they put somebody in a, like... Jenna uh, and Kelly, I believe, are hanging up. Jenna and Kelly into these um, parachutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, they're 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 hung up in these trees like they parachuted out of this plane crash. And yeah, they're in like harnesses, right? Yeah. And the tribe has to run into build a stretcher, run into the woods while they're just calling their names like "I'm over here," and they have to find them, unhook them from this tree, and then carry them down to the beach, down to this fake aid station. It's not the greatest challenge in the world, but boy, is it like creative and inventive and fun, you know? So I don't know what my pick would be for the most creative challenge, but I picked this mostly due to a specific thing that occurred during the challenge that just gave me so much joy. And that was, uh, there's a challenge where Jeff has, he tells them some stories, yeah. and they have to remember details from the stories, and yeah. with a video camera, go out, get to these old stations, and then tell the video camera the answers to questions that are out there. And Mr. Rudy Bosch with his video camera is just a it's just Rudy running. Why does he keep running from station to station? That's my Don't question. Know. He runs from station to station, and he just says like, "What should you do if the spirits say uh, taking control of your name?" I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, next station, Rudy. Rudy, well, like, like he should just, he should have just gone back to the beginning and just plopped down. But instead, we get to see Rudy. Have to have to read all these questions, and he has the same answer to all of them. And the, I don't know. The funny thing is, well, it's the, another funny thing about it is, there are people three feet away from him answering the question because, like, this is like one of the first challenges they've done. They don't really know what they're doing. They're putting it together, and like, they have these stations set up, and people are running around with camcorders. Well, 
like Sue is answering the same question right next to him, saying the answer out loud. All he has to do is just cheat and listen, and he's just like, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. It's hilarious. That is a classic. That is just like, like uh, when you invite somebody to your game night and they just are not into whatever game you picked. They're just like, I don't know. I don't want to play this. That's basically what Rudy said that whole challenge. Was, I don't want to play. It was like it was funny and pathetic this is all dumb. at the same time. Rudy, that's basically Rudy's just, this is yeah. dumb. This is stupid. So, uh, all right. Best jury member. We can value uh, their insight that they provide or their just sheer entertainment value. Okay. Do you want to go first? Yeah, it's, it's Sue Hawk. Okay. Well, I'm going to do the anti-Sue, so I'm glad you're going first. Okay. Anyways, tell me Sue Hawk. Sue Hawk. I mean, Sue Hawk... Is the since it's the most watched episode of Survivor ever? Yes. Is the season one finale? Sue Hawk delivers what is the greatest one of the greatest moments in reality TV history, which is, is it? the well, it is one of the most famous and yes. it's one of the most iconic. It is a very well, what I think is magical about it is it's a very mumbled speech. Like like it is awful. Like there are things <laughs> that don't make sense. It is she, just she's trying to use words that she doesn't use very often. This is correct. And so sort she's, of like me earlier with Piccadillos. Yeah. <laughs> so she she'll say things like, you know, we should do what the gods have strove to project upon upon this earth the the, the ethos the ethos of the island. It's like, Sue, you can just use your words. You're a truck driver from Minnesota. Oh, no. You're not going to... Nobody's going to think any less of you if you just use the normal words to describe. Sue, use your words. We should... But but the... Like, she's... And, and also, yeah, it is very, like... She kind of goes all over the place with it. But, uh, like, with, like... She's like, we'll leave here and it'll be fine. But if I ever see you on the side of the road <laughs> dying of thirst, you will not get a drink of water. I'll let the buzzards have you. It's like... What happened to we'll leave here and it will be fine? Or whatever. But anyway, it's just such a... It, it is such a, an establishing moment for the future of the show and the future of Final Travel. Yeah. Which, they're, some of them are a waste of time, but they're always entertaining. My favorite Final Travel person is Jervis. Jervis is the counterpoint to Sue's point. Jervis stands up and... In this final tribal, everybody gets a confessional except for one vote. Yeah, Greg's is withheld because it's mysterious because right. it's a three-three. We need drama. Yeah. yeah, so everyone gets a confessional where they show the vote. Well, Jervis votes for Kelly and takes Sue to task about. First of all, I think Jervis makes an excellent point that why he values Kelly's game. He's basically saying Kelly is the first flipper in the history of Survivor, and he appreciates the fact that she's playing both sides. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know? And then he rakes Sue over the coals for what he just says and how disrespectful it is and how ridiculous and what a made-for-TV moment she just put out there. Yes. And he goes a little bit overboard, not as bad as Sue, but he could have, like kept it a little bit more short and sweet <laughs> he really he really forced the rat and snake metaphor yeah. back into his vote he's like sue did the rat thing when she did this and right. sue did the snake thing he basically called sue out for all the bs that she just and i agree she she did she was being pretty hypocritical there she would have burned kelly just i like jervis for that yeah one because he appreciated like 
a different style of gameplay than Rich's and had an argument for why Kelly deserved to win. Yeah. And I thought it was a valid argument. And then for Colin Sue out for being ridiculous. Who's your uh, season one MVP? This is the person who brought the most enjoyment to your television this season. I mean, for me, I know this is going to just sound like like a layup here, but it's Richard Hatch. Like, he uh, just, every episode was bringing something to the table that was just really good to watch. Um, he had a great way of, like, explaining his game and himself and, like, uh, the other players out there. He was a great, like, confessional person. He was great to watch, like, strategize and a limited strategy that they did show. Um he uh, showed, like, you know, really good, like, teamwork skills, like, uh, in different places, but also, like, the joy of him, like, winning an individual immunity and, like, the really weird, like, ecstatic dance he does. That spastic dance yeah. that he does? That's so funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say, like, MVP. I know that's, like, the tried and true and probably boring response, but my I thought he was. My season MVP was... Also rich. Yeah. yeah. It, like I said, insight into the game that he's playing. He, he opened doors for us into his uh, own strategy, the, the way he thought, the way the game progressed for him. Also, I realized one of the most entertaining aspects of the season is Rudy, but it's also Rudy's response to Richard. It's like the, their combination. Yeah. Which So, like, without Rich, is Rudy as entertaining? And I'm thinking, no. no. Rudy's probably gone early if it's not, if Rich isn't That's there. That's what I mean about, like... If Rich was put with BB, is it a different game? If Rich is put with Rudy, right? You know, like BB didn't have his Rich. He had Gretchen, who couldn't get it across to BB. I don't know if Rich would have been able to do it either, right? But you know, like Rich and Rudy, kind of Rudy's game's inseparable from from Rich's. Um, yeah, he just, uh, you know, he's just really good at explaining, like. Uh, People, and, like, when he can't explain him, he's good at why he can't explain him. Like with Greg, you know? I accidentally skipped this uh, superlative, but oh, the, the final three. The final three. What are our three favorite things, moments, takeaways? What This is a this is basically free roam. You can pick a, uh, a large topic, or you can pick a singular little moment. Three things that you'll take away from Borneo. Uh, I'll go first. Number three. Okay. Uh... One of my favorite rewards of all time, which wasn't going to be a reward until the cast uh, revolted against production. Um, so there's a there's a, a challenge where the goal is to get a bunch of mud into a bucket, and the oh, winner yeah. the winner is going to get a beer. Oh and my god, this is also my number three. Keep going. And so what happens is this is off off camera. Apparently, the cast all threatened. To quit the game together if they didn't come up with something better than a one single beer for the winner. Oh, okay. So, that's why they sort of awkwardly announce after the challenge is over. They clunkily announce that uh, the winner is also... The winner is going to get to go to a bar and watch the first five minutes of the season with Jeff Probst in a bar. So, is... The revolt, your number three? No, the reward is my number three. Kelly Wigglesworth getting to go to a bar and watch Survivor. So weird. With this Jeff is Prince. my number three, too. Is it really? That's yes. awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> I have written down three MVP moments. Number three, Survivor Bar. What the hell was that? 
Why did she have to be blindfolded? Were they afraid she would, like, escape and go back to the bar? First of all, first of all, I have so many questions about the Survivor bar. I I just, can I go? Can I start? (laughs) Go for it. Where? Was this bar some other bar before they put up the neon that said Survivor bar? Because who are those people? Who are those local people just in that bar? Was it a different? Was it? Yeah, you're right. Bar? It seemed like it was just like a local hangout because. And they were like, "Who?" <laughs> Jeff gets up and he says, "Do y'all mind if we put on this uh, tape of this no, television show?" He and Kelly were like the most outsider of outside people. It looked like some watering hole in the middle of wherever they were, mm-hmm. you know, in some little village or whatever town that just happened to be humming along. And here come Jeff and, and a blindfolded girl into this so, bar. So I believe this was their like base camp town for okay. the production. Okay. So they this is where the crew would go drink and hang oh, out. Okay. Uh, you know, weird. in their downtown. God, it was. And weird. so they were like, "We don't know where to take the winner of this challenge. Let's just go take them to the bar." <laughs> so they go into this like fully operating bar, and then they. Like slap up some neon that says Survivor Bar yeah. up above the bar on the wall somewhere. So they did that in the afternoon. That's why. That's why the challenge is so weird. That's why the challenge ended. And he's like, "Well, I got nothing for you now, I guess." <laughs> um, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna come pick you up later. We're gonna wait like four hours. Come pick you up. You're gonna go to a bar with me. Okay. Here's my other question. <laughs> yes. Is 19 years later is that bar still there? I would hope so. <laughs> Is it still called the Survivor Bar? I just, also, I love Are those same bar flies in the bar. It, the whole thing is so improvised. It's like a Malaysian Charles Bukowski was sitting in there at one point. I was like, who is that person? <laughs> yeah, they forgot to they forgot to move the people out at the end of production. So they just left. I them just in there. wanted like shots of them like looking at Jeff and, and a blindfolded woman walks into a bar. Man, leading blindfolded woman. This doesn't look bad at all. It's like uh, these like so, locals. Oh, are, is that your hostage, like, sir? Like, oh, that's standard Borneo operate procedure. White, white man leading a blindfolded white woman into the bar, and they're just like every goddamn summer. I know it's every every summer. God, why do these Americans come here to blindfold and kidnap people? How do they do this? Jeff goes to the bar and he's just like, "Hey, two two buds, please." And then he he gives Kelly what he goes. This buds for you. Clink. It was a Bud Light. Yeah, well. Order. <laughs> like, um, but they they sit there and Kelly. He's he like orders a bud, which is really weird. And then yeah. he gets a bud light, a uh, product placement. Hello. And then uh, then they have a, a a discussion so frank that Jeff would they've never let this happen again. Oh, where God, Kelly's yeah. like, she's like, I'm really having a tough time trusting Sue. And Jeff's like sipping on his beer, and he's just Sorry, like, tell me about. He's it. like, tell me more about that. It's just like, oh man, you're getting you're verging into. Oh wait, maybe this is what season thirty nine. Island of the Idols is going to be. It's going to be like, welcome to Rob and Sandra's bar. Rob's over there shining whiskey glasses with a yeah. towel. How you doing? Come on in. Sandra's wiping off a table. <laughs> She's busting a table. And so he's just like, oh, we got one of mine here. We got one of mine here. Pull up a stool. Pull up a stool. <laughs> Sandra's uh, the entertainment. She's she's a torch lounge singer up on top of a <laughs> piano. <laughs> Played by Rob. That, that's what I wanted to be. A, Rob's playing the piano. He's in a tuxedo, but just one of those shirt tuxedos. We're talking about people that aren't even on this season at this point. But anyway. Lost it. Anyway. It's at the same bar. That's what my hope is. Oh, my God. Not anyway, even in This is such good TV. Please go watch Survivor Bar. What's your number two? My number two. Do you want me to give my number two first? So you you went first. Last my time. number two is just the Pagong tribe in general. 
It is just, it is a big, broad pick, but it's just, we never get that again in Survivor quite the same way. Just people who are just not even there to play Survivor. Yeah. Not in the way that we think of as playing Survivor. Yeah. Like, Colleen and Greg, or Colleen at the mud pit, and uh, Colleen and Greg sneaking off, and Jervis just having fun all the time. Gretchen not really worrying about, like, rallying them to vote together. They are a truly unique tribe in in a game where tribes became almost look-alike after this season. Yeah. Every tribe started behaving the same way. Um, some would be more successful than others, but no tribe just... No season features a tribe that is just so unlike the others in the way they approach the game as this one. What's yeah. your number two? My number two is just the pricelessness of the Genova and Sean and the just the... Well, I'm not gonna. If if I worried that this was gonna get her voted off, I wouldn't do it. And then she gets voted off, and just like Brett talked about earlier, the gobsmack look on his face, like <laughs> I just contributed to that. And I think what people took away from that was not only Sean, you're a ding dong, but but like you can't show your cards if you don't, unless you absolutely positively have to. Like I said, Sean's. His strategy may have worked and been fine and gotten him along along the way and he could have described it later if you noticed I never voted for any of you guys unless it was alphabetical and people were like oh that's what you were doing but he told everybody about it and just but it was just that moment when it happened it was just a, <laughs> one of the great first tribal council moments yeah yeah that was my number two um, my number one is something you touched on as uh, something different earlier but it's uh my, my favorite aspect of Borneo is is the partnership of Richard Hatch and Rudy Bosch. It's Rich and Rudy. The Rich and Rudy show of just uh, Rudy making comments about Richard and then Richard being so wildly entertained by them, too. It's just like, you know, like Rudy saying, I don't, I, I don't like him in a homosexual way, that's for sure. Uh, and, you know, Rich would just be like, he'd be like, that's hilarious. The it's whole, so the, Rudy. The whole, that's so Rudy. So it's just that for 14 glorious episodes, we get yeah. the Rich and Rudy show. One of my all time, it may be my all time favorite survivor friendship yeah. because yeah. it's just so unlikely. It, it really is unlikely. And they instead, I think that's the beauty of survivor is you get these guys who were just, are just so polar opposite in so many ways that just connect to each other because they find one thing about each other that they just respect. Yeah. And it just survives based on respect. That's a good one. So what's your number one thing from this season? <laughs> well, my number one thing is I'll, I'll give a broad number one and then I'll give you an example of why. My number one is just the beauty of like early Jeff Probst. Oh my God, yes. And just how Jeff is like, you know, we always talk about how Jeff's ridiculous and just chews on stuff. The, oh, you're going to get some survivor love. And None he of just that leans season. into it. Well, there are little inklings of Jeff is trying to figure out what he is and what he wants to be. Yeah. And it is so funny. You talked about a challenge earlier where Rudy, the one where Rudy is going, I don't know. Uh, well, it's called Survivor Witch Project. <laughs> Because this is right after Blair, Blair Witch. Witch Project. And so it opens with Jeff on a camcorder screen acting like he's mortified and stuck in the woods doing this intro to the challenge where he's like, 
we're stuck out here in the Borneo woods. And it is absolute TV gold. <laughs> it is so funny. I just, like, rewound it and just played it, like, four times over and over again hmm. to the point where I was just in tears laughing. He's so into it and is just selling it full bore. It is priceless. Also, this is this. I, I now realize this maybe should have made my list. This is definitely a small moment, but my god, I could, I went back and watched it again. It was so good that the editing and the score when some somebody some group wins a barbecue challenge mm-hmm. and they get to have a barbecue. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Colleen and Jenna. Maybe they get mm-hmm. to have a barbecue. Maybe Kelly and the others are sitting at camp eating rice. Mm-hmm. The, it cuts back and forth. Between the two. And rice eaters have slow piano music. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the saddest damn song they it's could like possibly find. And then it's just like, it's like jazz night when it's it, they cut over to the barbecue. It's like... And uh, it's just them eating all this stuff and they're having a great time. And then it just... It, but the fact that it cuts back and forth like four times. Yeah. It cuts back and forth between just like... Dun, dun, dun. Here's yeah. another bite of rice. There's Rudy eating some rice, and then here's a barbecue time. I totally appreciated the music too. I was gonna leave that for a little like wrap up part. I don't know if we were like doing that. It didn't yeah. really necessarily like make a moment for me, but it's definitely something I noticed like along the way. Well, let's wrap it up. Okay, season one. Um, season one, when we did our survivor rankings, ranked as our eighth. Nope. Yes, our eighth best season. Wow, that feels a little low. Feels like it should be higher on the list. I don't know. Maybe it's just just watching it and the just the pure joy fun of seeing it all over again. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is definitely a top ten season. Yeah, um, it is. It's so. I mean, fun. for all it's just silly flaws, but they're just spitting duct tape and bailing wire, making it up as they go along. It's just they're having a great time doing it, and like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a different kind of season. It oh, is, it is so worth a rewatch, though. Yes, like, rewatchability. Like, where would you rank it? Way up there. Yeah, it is just so much fun. I was just so joyful watching the first episode for the first time. The first challenge, I was like, God, this is so simple, and it's so cool that they don't worry about like where you know the lighting and like what time of day they did it they did it at dusk so the fire looks cool they have night challenges they don't care that like someone's face is shadowed out the camera's just rolling right you know Uh, and I don't know like you said the music they just took so many chances just because they were like I don't know what do you want to put in here during this first challenge I don't know you want to put some rave music in it's literal rave music (laughs) There's also I, I do wish I'd tried to find the the survivor sound as I call it to I was gonna play it in between every single oh. thing we did every <laughs> single which is just played ad nauseum it finally either, it either goes away or you just stop noticing it I think you get you're blind to it okay yeah either it, the, it, I, I thought maybe they just overloaded the first three episodes with it but oh it's jarring at first and then you sort of like it's just like a thing that's there mm-hmm but anyway, great season. So it's worth a rewatch. So much fun to rewatch. And definitely if you if you've like never seen it, like it's so it's great. 
Well, if you are out there listening and you want to jump ahead of us, uh, Season 2, I believe, is on Hulu. It's also, all, all the seasons are on CBS, but if you don't have CBS All Access uh, and you do have Hulu, Hulu uh, has second, has pretty much most every season, I believe. Um, Going to Australia. For some reason, Amazon does not. Also, real quick, throw uh, to the to the reunion. Oh uh, God, we didn't even talk about Brian Gumble. Brian Gumble's here in the reunion. He's not that bad in the first one. Are you kidding? He's awful. You haven't seen future Brian Gumble. <laughs> I know, but it's so like after watching this season, <coughs> it is so like canned crap TV mm-hmm. to listen to the stuff coming out of his mouth. Yes, and he just like, oh. Ugh. We have this to look forward to. He gets worse. <coughs> I can't wait. It's, wait, uh, I mean, I can't wait. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the reunion is weird. Dirk changes clothes like seven times. <laughs> um, Rudy, there's like some great moments of Rudy in the reunion where he's just like, now, Rudy, looking back, aren't you know, do you, do you kind of see things differently now? Do you see people differently when thanks to your friendship to Rich? Not really. <laughs> yeah. There's also a lot of, like, the the do-it-yourself kind of thing. Like, they were all in it together. You yeah. know, them and the production staff. There's a good feel about that. Richard is just... He's really good, too. On, mm-hmm. like, the reunion special. Yeah. He is... Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. But, <clears throat> anyway. So, uh... Well, this was fun. Well, thanks for listening. Um... And uh, thanks for watching along with us. And we will uh, catch you the next time. We don't know how often we're going to put these out. It'll stay, be a... See you in Australia, mate. Yeah, we'll see you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll see you in Australia where they're, they're uh, as you can tell from the finale, they are already planning to ramp up the harshness of the weather by sticking them out in the Australian outback yeah. in the middle of summer. So we're going to see if Survivor can murder someone. That's basically the, the show's... Uh, the or, shows, or we're gonna see if some guy named Mike can't just murder himself. Yeah, the, over the next like two or three seasons, that's sort of Survivor's mission statement is like maybe someone will die. <laughs> we'll just see what that's like. That doesn't work out. It nearly does though in several instances. But uh, um, anyway, so we'll 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 see you again in yeah. Australia, and this was fun. Thank you, Al, for joining me and for rewatching the show at my demand. My pleasure. And uh, that was Talkie Talk. Thanks to the Willow Walkers for our intro music, Willow Walkers. And thank you to Burifa for the outro music. Uh, you can like, subscribe, um, and uh, give Talkie Talk a rating. This is uh, not a standard issue numerical uh, episode of Talkie Talk, so these ones will, will stick out. In the feed a little bit. Can we number but... this for dash one dash one dash one dash one dash one? Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, until next time. Adios. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes. Long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things.